Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. And John chapter 8, verses 57 to 59. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. John 8, 57 to 59. You'll be seated shortly once we get through with the counsel of God's word. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. John 8, 57 to 59. Are we all there? <coughs> Excuse me. Here begins the reading of God's word. We start with Exodus chapter 3, 13 to 15. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said unto him, A year I share. Yeah. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. For emphasis, I'll read verse 14 again. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. John chapter 8, verse 57 and 59. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. For emphasis, I will read verse 58 again. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, there we are again, before Abraham was, I am. This morning, I want to bring you a prophetic word that centers around the most important name of God in Scripture. That centers around our understanding of the power in His name. I bring you a message simply titled, I am. I am. By your hearts as I pray. Help us understand the power in your name, uh, Jesus. And this morning I ask that you will demonstrate that power in the midst of your children. Speak your word, bring your counsel. Heal a body, save a soul. Give direction, heal a heart. Let yokes be broken, let burdens be lifted. Let your name that is a strong tower manifest. You are indeed the I am. Thank you, O oh God, because my tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. My heart indicts a good matter. We bring clarity. And the hearts of your children are receptive. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
in one of the most important series that we have covered this year. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the series, I want to encourage you to go get it. I think we should have the materials at the desk, the resource table behind. But in one of the most important series we have covered this year, Transformed to Transform, uh, one of the topics we looked at was strategies for marketplace dominion. Strategies for marketplace dominion. And in that light, we examined a few strategies that we put on the table. And we're going to revisit it at some point in time because we now need to translate what we learned then into workable functions, into a workable material to ensure that it is not just information, but you are actually living it out. But we mentioned about six or seven strategies that must be in place if we're going to experience marketplace Dominion. One of them we mentioned was excellence. And we spoke that the excellence must be excellence in the works of your hands, but also excellence in attitude. We also said that there must be the place of the word. When we spoke about excellence, you will remember that we emphasized Daniel. And the Bible says that one of the things that caused him to be separated from the crowd was that he was more excellent. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was 10 times more excellent than everybody else. And of course, and no one can resist excellence. We also looked at the fact that as believers, one particular tool or two in particular that we have been given for marketplace dominion is the place of the word and prayer. The place of the word and prayer. Now, it's important to note this because, because even if you are not a believer, you can still produce excellent work. Uh, but what will cause your excellent work in the midst of all other excellent works to stand out will be the super on your, on your natural. That is the supernatural. And what invokes and provokes the supernatural is the word and the prayer. And we again looked at Daniel and we examined the fact that Daniel had become prime minister of the land. And Daniel was the right-hand man to the king. Daniel was chief advisor to the king. An edict was issued that no one was allowed to pray to any other god but the king. The king was egotistical and self-centered. Uh, but the Bible says, even after Daniel received the news, the Bible says he went in to his house, he went to his room of prayer, opened the windows for prayer, and stayed on his knees to pray. And the Bible says that in spite of how busy Daniel was, that he found three times, three sessions a day to pray. It explains why then Daniel was more exceptional than others. Because the people that the king had originally chosen to govern with him were individuals that were the best of the land. Um, but, but even amongst the best of the land, Daniel excelled beyond them. Why? Because in spite of his good, good mindset with respect to work, he had a phenomenal work ethic. He also had the word and prayer. Let me tell you something about the word quickly before we move into our thought this morning. The Bible, speaking about the children of Israel in captivity, the Bible says, that they were going to be in captivity for 400 years. 400 years. Eventually, they were in captivity for 450 plus years or so. Do you know why? Let me tell you why using Daniel. When Daniel read, because that was the first captivity, in the time of Daniel, they went into a second captivity. Daniel, reading the word, reading the scrolls discovered, that the second captivity was going to last only 70 years. 
Because he read the word and discovered that it was going to last and supposed to last only 70 years. Daniel took that word and engaged with it in prayer. When the 70-year mark hit, the children of Israel experienced emancipation. Why? Because somebody read the word and engaged it in prayer. People stayed in captivity for half a century longer than they were supposed to because there was no one who understood the word and no one who could engage in prayer. Prayer breaks chains. Look, long-standing phenomena can be transformed when a person will choose to pray. Doctors report, someone sent me a message, a WhatsApp yesterday. She had come to service and she had lupus and lupus had affected her kidney and her lungs. We prayed with her. She sent me the message. She said she went back to Barra and they did the test and that all her, all her internal organs were fine. That all the previous damage reversed. Her name is Buchle. All reversed. See, when people choose to pray, you can reverse the impossible. Is someone listening to me? I, I, I'm puzzled to stress this because it is so easy to begin to only operate with the world's standards. Where you want to engage with the world using only the instruments of the world. The best you will achieve is what they achieve. But from God's perspective, he expects us to be the head and not the tail. He expects us to be above only. How many of you understand that? Above only. I realize that the reason why he says so is because God does not like to share glory. He really does not like to share glory. As far as he is concerned, if you are with him, he expects you to be heads and shoulders above everybody else because, because if you are not, and at best you are at par with everybody else, when they give praise to themselves or to whatever devil has given them the power to be where they are, and you give praise to your God, it will look as if they are the same. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And God cannot share glory. Uh, so we looked at excellence in work, and in attitude, we looked at the place of the word and prayer. But we also saw that there has to also be the place of reproducing your kind. We also saw that there is the place of right relationships that will ensure you get there. We also examined that one of the other keys is that we must develop an attitude of giving to the kingdom. Let me say something about giving. Please understand that when the Bible says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Please note this. Understand that one of the first characteristics we see of God's interaction with man is that he is a giver. One of the names of God which we'll actually use, we'll actually see now, is El Shaddai, the multi-breasted God. Uh, when you break it down, it sounds very ridiculous, but when you break it down, it means the God with multiple breasts. 
No wonder Paul will say that my God shall supply all my needs. Why? Because he has multiple prayers. Because God is neither male nor female. He's neither male nor female and he's all male and he's all female. Is someone listening to me? Please work with me. So he says he's the multi-breasted one because his desire for all mankind is to give. There is a part of the brain, part of your, the limbic part of the brain that does not understand, hear this, does not recognize time, does not recognize space, does not recognize circumstance. Let me explain what I mean. The way it functions is such that if you expose it to something, and I'll give you an example, it does not recognize whether it was going out or coming in. Meaning, if you criticize, you develop an attitude where you are critical of someone or you are always critical. That aspect of the brain does not differentiate between whether you were giving out the criticism or whether you were receiving it. It just records it in your system as criticism and begins to affect you because criticism does not build anybody up. Please hear what I'm saying. The same way, the same way with giving. When the person, when you begin to give, because generally we experience, we should experience a lot more joy when we receive, right? Generally. When you give and somebody else receives, that part of your brain does not differentiate. It just sees it as also receiving. Please hear what I'm saying. And that is why one um, psychologist put it this way. It says, the, the giver is indeed more blessed, it wasn't quoting scripture, is indeed more blessed than the receiver, for he benefits from both sides of the coin. Is someone listening to me? Giving, particularly to the kingdom, is one of God's primary ways also for kingdom establishment and dominion. But the last one I didn't mention that day, and that's where we're going to pause. If we are going to ex exercise dominion there, we must have a good name. How many of you are listening to me? We must have a good name. Proverbs says that a good name is better than even weapons of war. Let me read a few scriptures to help you. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Listen, a good name can get you money, but money cannot buy a good name. How many of you understand that? A good name can cause you to receive favor. A good name that you have either generated or a good name that you have bestowed on your generations. That good name can grant you favor. But when a good name is lost, all the money in the world cannot buy it back. And that is one of the key reasons why as believers, particularly in the marketplace, you see, everybody is good on a Sunday in church. I keep telling... Um, so my single daughters in the house, do not use what you see 
on a Sunday to judge how good the brother is. Ha. Ha. No, calm down. <laughs> we met in church. So what? Calm down. Relax. Have you not read that the church is for all of us? The good, the bad, and the ugly. But the interesting thing is we have all learned to be phenomenal actors and actresses. We all are. How many of you know we all are? No, we all are. We want, everybody would like to say that, no, I'm always authentic. It's not true. It's not true. You are one way with certain people and another way with others. You are. We all are. As a matter of fact, they call it decorum. It's just to know how to behave. You get to certain places, you behave in a certain way, and that's proper social graces. Then you get home. I mean, you get to, to, to someone's house, you don't fling your shoe. But you get home, from the door, you take it off. Because we all learn social graces. It's proper behavior. The same thing here. Everybody in church has learned to behave. When it's time to sing, you sing. When it's time to frown your face because it's now worship, you frown it, you know. <laughs> so everybody knows the worship is, is getting there. When it's time to lift hands, you lift it. We, we don't use church to judge that somebody has a walk with God. People say some of the worst people are in church. Don't be angry when they say so. It's true. And it's not a bad thing. It is a good thing. Where else should they be? This is where they should be. Don't judge. Look, I remember um, many years ago, a young man came into service. And the only reason why we knew he was a young man was because he had no, um, he had no, what's the right, what's the right word to use? Uh, uh, he, he had no, Female upper body strength. I don't want to say, you know. Some of you will get it as we go along. <laughs> Everything else about him was dressed like a female. Everything. He had all the eyeliners, all the, you know, he had the walk. You know the walk he had. He, he was rocking it. And he came into service. And I was on the pulpit when he came in. And I remember he sat it wasn't this auditorium, not auditorium, but he sat somewhere at the back. And as he sat, the two people sitting next to him shifted. I don't judge them. <laughs> don't judge them. You don't know what you would have done. And they shifted. Because I'm sure they were thinking, oh no, let this one not corrupt me with his whatever they were thinking. Do you know, at the end of the service, my wife and I made a concerted effort to go meet him. To let him know that he is welcome. See, not that we agree with what he is going through, but he is, this is where he is supposed to be welcome. Because irrespective of how he is and who he is, he is loved by God. And the same blood was shed for him. And in his father's house, he must be made to feel welcome. Whether we agree with him or not. Don't get me wrong. We do not agree with what we don't agree with. But we don't treat God's children like they are pariahs. Am I making sense to someone? My point in all of this is this. 
because we have all learned to be great actors, what we do on a Sunday is not where the test is. It's what shows up on Monday morning. It's what shows up when you are alone in the car with that wife that you believe was a gift from the devil. <laughs> After you have received that word, what you do in that car is how we really know whether you heard God or not. Is someone with me this morning? So, so back to our thought. This is one of the key reasons why we must preserve our name. Because the minute the world attributes you or connects you to the things of God, unfortunately, when you mess up, how many of you know that one of the key things you will hear is, and they say they are Christians. They are all the same. They all act like that. And unfortunately, we become the Bible that they will read. And sadly, they read the wrong things from our wrongly written Bibles. The name, in, in, back in the, in the Hebraic time, in Jesus' time and in the prophet's time, a name was not just given to distinguish you from your neighbor. A name was given as a prophetic declaration concerning your world. As a prophetic declaration concerning where your destiny, where they believed your destiny was going to end up. More specifically, when God gave someone a name, it was descriptive of his destiny. It was descriptive of his inheritance. So God goes to Adam and names him Adam. Names him Adam. When he gives Adam the responsibility to name Eve, Adam names her Eve, which means mother of all things. Because from the name, you are supposed to be able to deduce not just the capacity of the individual, but even the character of the individual. So God shows up with Abraham and renames him Abraham, which means father of many nations. Names him father of many. Changes the woman's name, Sarai, to Sarah. So that it becomes descriptive of where she's going. God was particular about names. So much so that the angel asked Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob. And says, no. From today you will be called Israel. Which meant prince of God. You see, Jacob meant usurper, a thief, a charlatan, a rogue. He says, no, you will be called Israel, which means a prince of God. A prince of God. And that became his name. Now, because God is particular about names, that was why Moses asked God, I am going to meet these people you are sending me to. I don't want to go, but I'm going to go because you say so. But they're going to ask me, what is your name? You see, this is, this is the key here. God then introduces himself with this name. And this is from the Old Testament, the most important name of God from the Old Testament. And what is the name? He called himself the Eyeh Ashar Eyeh, which is the I am that I am. Now, I want to quickly share with you five or six things about that name. 
and then we will use that name. When he says he's the I am that I am, he is saying five or six things. Number one, and for me one of the most important, he's saying I exist. When he says who, who should we say that you are? Tell them that I am. You know, the latter part, he says, tell them that I am sent you. Remember, they wanted to stone Jesus in John chapter 8. Why did they want to stone him? Because Jesus said, before Abraham, he could have said anything else. But he said, before Abraham, I am. And they understood exactly what he meant. He just used the sacred name of God. You see, that name was so sacred. It's actually called the um, Tetragrammaton. It's, it's, it encompasses four letters. Four letters. And they were deliberately four consonants so that they cannot be pronounced because the name was so sacred. For some of your, some of your very legalistic Jews, the name was so sacred that if you ever wrote it down, you could never erase it. Wherever you wrote it, you could not erase it. Because this was the name, the solemn and sacred name of not just one of the gods, but of the almighty God himself. We know the letters as your YHWH. Now, in our bid to pronounce it, people have included vowels in it. So we have your Yeshua, we have your Jehovah, Yehovah. Are you with me? Because the name itself is supposed to be solemn. Now, what does the name imply? The first thing, that God exists. That he is ever present. Now this is extremely important because if you can get your consciousness to embrace the fact that whether you can see him or not, whether you hear him or not, he is forever there with you. Your capacity in God will escalate. You see, so, so when a prophecy was being given in Isaiah 7:14 about the coming of Jesus, they said his name shall be Emmanuel, which is a play on the concept of I am that I am. He says Emmanuel, which means God with us. The God that is with us. In their bid to also try and further explain this without doing injustice to the name, they called him Jehovah Shammah. The one who is always what? Present. When you catch the revelation, that he is always present, it will change your lifestyle. Oh, saints, hear what I'm saying. When you get to that boyfriend's house, it will not be as easy to take those clothes off. Yeah, tell your neighbor, he's talking about you now. It's not me. He's talking about you. Come be me. You see? Don't get angry. You see, we, I have learned to say difficult things in jest so that you don't throw stones, but also so that you will come back next week. 
But it does not change the fact that it is the truth. My mom told me a story many years ago. I'm sure it's a story. She said a lady... <laughs> She said it with all seriousness, but I'm sure it's story. So the lady was being forced by her boss, by her husband's boss, to go to bed with him simply because um, um, uh, the husband had done something wrong and she didn't want him to be fired. So they got to the hotel room. And as they got there and he was about to jump on her, she says to him, um, you've not, yeah, jump on her, you know. <laughs> it says, she says to him, close the doors. So he goes and he closes the door, closes the door, he locks it, says, please close the windows as well. You know I'm a married woman. So he goes and he closes the windows and he draws the curtains and puts all the, the sun block, blockers. And then he's about to jump on her again. And she says, there's one more window you've not closed. You've not closed the one in heaven. He says, because he's looking at us. Like I said, I'm sure she was joking. <laughs> but, the, but the reality is that if you understand the revelation of his ever, ever presence, it will change your lifestyle. Add to that, it will increase your capacity in God. Is someone listening to me? You will... When you've done the work properly in your consciousness, if I stop here, it is good enough. If you've done the right work in your consciousness about the fact that he is the I am that I am, the one who is ever-existent, ever-present, ever-present in your past, present, and future, you will never be afraid again. Oh, saints here. Because when he says that he is the I am that let me help you. If you put a comma there, after the that, it will read like this. I am that. I am. See, um, let's say you are saying that you are a multi-billionaire and your neighbor knows that you, you're flat broke. And then you see someone who is a billionaire and you say to your neighbor, I am that. And your neighbor goes, you're crazy. No, you're not. And you say, no, I am that. I am. Do you get what I've just said? I am that. I am. When God was saying that I am that, I am, as in it was a double play on emphasis. I am that. I am. When we understand that, we realize then he exists in your past. So it doesn't matter what has been done to you in your history. The revelation that he is your I am will circumvent his impact on your present. Oh, someone hear me. When you understand that, you also realize that he is in your future. So the... the uncertainty of today when that revelation hits your consciousness you will no longer lose sleep because he is your I am am I making sense to someone let me give you two more where I don't want I want I want us to have time because we have some confessions we're going to make based on the concept of I am but let me give you two more then we will come back to the first one the the statement also I am that I am 
also implies this, that before him, there was no other. Or there is no other. It means, if you can backtrack the history of the earth, the history of the universe, and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack, you will bump into God. When you bump into him, and you attempt to go beyond him, or attempt to go before him, you will realize there is nothing. When he says, I am that, I am, he's saying, before me, there is no other. See, when God said so, that before him, there is no other, many thought he was simply saying that there is none as great as he is. No, he was saying there is none that came before him. He is the self-existent one. He exists by himself. Please hear this. This is very key. He exists and he is sustained purely by himself. He does not need us to be God. Are you with me? What this implies is that, you know, if you say to me, Pastor Tim, when will you stop beating your wife? I can't answer that question. I can't answer it because it presupposes that I beat her in the first place. And because the premise is wrong, the question is wrong. It's the same thing when you say to God, um, how did you get here? How did you come about? It is a difficult and ridiculous question because the only reason you can even ask that question is because he is. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, because he's before all things in existence, he is obviously then before all things in capacity, in power. Okay, let's push on. The third thing, and this is why I'm going to pause and we're going to pray quickly. When he says, I am that I am, he's saying, I do not change. He says, I do not change. In, in, in James, he says, he says that, we, that besides him, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He says, he, Hebrews 13, he says, he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. Now, because he does not change, he can be trusted. Oh, don't you get? Because it does not change. This is where, this is one of the key reasons why I had to say to my parents, particularly my mother many years ago before she got saved, that I could no longer go to Sangomas. I said, because one of the challenges with these Sangomas is that one person goes there and meets them and says, do A. Another person can go, pay them more money. They will reverse your A. No, you know what I'm saying. They will reverse your A and do their B against you. He says, I am that. I am. I do not change. Now, this means this. 
No, it doesn't mean that he does not change his mind. Oh, no. See, he changes his mind. He says to a prophet um, to go tell a king, you are going to die. The king prays. God comes. He says, I repent. You will no longer die. That statement that he changeth not does not mean he does not change his mind. He said concerning Saul that I had decided that a man from your throne, from your generation, will sit on the throne. But I've changed my mind. I've given it to another. His name is David. He, when he says that he does not change, doesn't mean he doesn't change his mind. It means he cannot change his character. His character does not change. If, he, if you bumped into him and he was a God that heals, he's a God that will forever heal. If he's a God that forgives, he's a God that will forever forgive. His character does not change. Now, what are we supposed to learn? As I bring this to a close and we pray, what are we supposed to learn from the name? Apart from the description it gives us of who God is, and, and primarily I, I really want you to walk away with the fact that he exists and that he's ever-present is the power in the actual words themselves. The power in the actual phrase, those, those few letters, those few words, I am. You see, whatever you put after the I am begins to follow you. Whatever. A research was done and they realized that when people were making this statement, statements like, I am rich, I am healthy, I am a good husband, certain parts of their brain lit up that release certain hormones that increase their immune system. And then the same people, when they will make statements like, I am lazy, I am tired, I am a no-gooder. They realize that the reverse will occur. And the immune system would by itself begin to drop. Simply because of the words that they were saying. Some people have argued that some of the greatest words that have ever existed is I am. Because the greatest voice that will ever impact you is yours. It's great that we want to say it's God's, but it's actually yours. Because like I told you last week, irrespective of what God says, if it's not what you are saying, it will do nothing for you. Oh, please hear me. Because we're about to get into something now. It is God's desire that we will learn from him. Jesus Jesus asked them, he said, who do men say that I am? In the question, he gave them the answer, but they did not hear it. Say, who do men say that I am? Then in John chapter 8, he went ballistic. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He begins to use several I am's. And it was instructive to us. I was reading an article and, and it was saying 
that we must be careful what we say to our children because what we say to them becomes their self-talk. It becomes the little voice that they hear in their head, that they hear in their mind. You are ugly. You are always doing wrong. You are always failing. You are always getting me angry. You, it becomes that self-talk. And we are all products of our self-talk. You know that, right? It's one of the five C's that govern all mankind. Your, your subconscious talk instructs your destiny. This is why our core lesson from today, for today, is it's time to deliberately engage, engage in I am talk. That irrespective of your circumstances, irrespective of your stumblings, your I am talk must remain consistent. That's why God himself said, I am that. Do you, do you get what that means? Go back to my illustration. So your neighbor is saying, but you're not. And you're saying, I am that. I am. It's not a function of what I see. It's not a function of what they've said. I am a good husband. I am. I am a... Oh, you're too much. <laughs> Bear with me. I like this girl. <laughs> oh, Lord. You see, end... I was saying to her this morning, end of this month, we would have been married 15 years. And it feels like last week. It just feels like last week. There are some that have been married for one year. <laughs> ah! You need to engage your self-talk. It is time to begin to say, I am. I am a great father. I am. You see, that declaration is necessary for every day of your life. It is necessary if you are going to translate your life from where it is to where you believe it ought to be. God was insistent. He said, I am that. I am. It is time like God, like his offspring, to do the same. I kid you not. The universe will begin to manipulate itself to align with who you say you are. Remember what I've taught you several times over, and I've tried to give you several illustrations to prove it. You are where you are because of who you are. You have what you have because of who you are. Forget what your parents did. Forget, look, those things have impacted. But they have all defined you. So you have what you have and you are where you are because of who you are. Meaning, meaning, if we can change who we are, if we can better who we are, we can change everything. I close with this. You see, have you ever spoken before? I know it happens to me regularly. 
I speak and then I listen to myself on a CD and I go, who's that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, you hear yourself and you're thinking, who's that? Do you know why? Because when I speak, I hear myself with my inner ear. When I listen on the radio, I hear with my outer ear. Because you have an inner ear. You know that, right? The ossicles are in there. Uh, that, that's why they can actually give you hearing aid or hearing devices that you don't even put in your ear. You put somewhere here. And you will actually hear it. It's not ricocheting into your outer ear. It's, it's being received by your inner ear. The inner bones are receiving it. When I listen on the, on, on the material, on, on the CD... I'm hearing with my outer ear. Hearing with your inner ear is the one that makes the difference. This is why sometimes some people that teach meditation actually say that when you are going to make those declarations, cover your ears. Cover your ears and repeat those words to yourself, about yourself. Saints, too much has been vested in us as believers. I told you two weeks ago that it is our season to birth rivers. Not just, not just good things, but rivers. For that to manifest, your I am must be right. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. Jesus. Ah. I brought you a simple counsel this morning. Two things that I need you to remember. Two things. Number one is that when he says, I am, it means he is present, permanently present. But more importantly, when he says, I am, it was instructive that it is time to hold fast to your I am. I want you this week to start every day with deliberate I am confessions. Are you listening to me? With deliberate I am confessions. I'll give you an example here. But this is just an example. Maybe I will even post it on, on my Facebook page from tomorrow so that you could follow it. But, but even without this, create your own I am confessions. That for the next 14 days as we count down to 21 days of prayer, you put yourself in the right frame of mind. Because during that period, we'll begin to make decrees. And like I've said, it is not... It is not just about the words being said. It is about who is saying it. Two people could say the same thing. You could, come, you could stand in front of a troop and say, go, and nobody moves. A general, their general comes, stands exactly where you stand and say, go. And you all scamper off. Because it's not just about what is said. It's who says it. If we can get our I am right, 
and begin to put ourselves where we have been divinely placed, which is in Christ Jesus. Working your consciousness to embrace it as truth. When you begin to make decrees, the heavens will hear God, even though it is your words. Are you listening to me? Ah, are we ready for this? I want you to first and foremost begin to thank God because he is present. How many of you got that? Because he is present. Saints, look at me. I remember so I got a phone call and the person, I could hear people screaming on the other end. People were screaming on the other end. And, and it was my wife's former boss. And she called and she said, my, my, my staff has lost his mind, has lost his mind. And we're trying to restrain him. He has gotten violence. He's, he's trying to destroy things. We're trying to restrain him. We've also called an ambulance. He says, but I decided to call you. You see, at that point, I was watching a sitcom at home. And he said, I decided to call you. I'm hoping you could pray. He said, I want to put the phone in his ear. See, if I had not understood the concept of I am, Meaning, he is forever present. Do you get that? He is forever present. It is not... I wish you... John, First John put it this way. He says, the things which we heard, the things which we saw, is, then he says, the things which we have handled with our hands of the word of life, that is what we speak to you. What was he saying? That we, we've gone beyond someone told us about him. We heard great stories about him. It says, we too, we've handled it with our... First John 1, verse 1. It says, we've handled this thing with our own hands. Do you know, when she put... I said, put the phone in his ears. When she put the phone in his ears, I called his name. As I called his name, he replied and he was fine. Do you know why? There is no competition between God and the devil. Amen. To the degree that you catch the revelation that I am. I am. He is the one that is with you. Luke 137. With God, nothing shall be impossible. When you get that revelation, the universe will not be able to differentiate between when you speak and when he speaks. Are you listening? Believe me. Let's get that right now. Before. God forbid. Something major happens. And you need that understanding. To get you out of it. Are you listening to me? Let's begin to thank him. Because he is. Present. If you believe that, begin to thank him. We're about to pray. Begin to thank him. Because he is present. He is not far off. He is <laughs> He is here. I want you to repeat after me. Like I said, I'll post this somewhere in the course of the week. Are you ready? I am a child of God. No, I need you to say it properly. I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 
I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am a new creature. I am a partaker of his divine nature. I am redeemed from the curse of the Lord. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am led by the Spirit of God. I am a son of God. I am getting all my needs met by Christ Jesus. I am casting all my cares upon Jesus. I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. I am doing all things. Through Christ. Who strengthens me. I am an heir of God. And a joint heir with Christ. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am healed by his stripes. I am exercising my authority over the enemy. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I am not moved by what I see. I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am casting down vain imaginations. I am bringing every thought into captivity. I am being transformed by a renewed mind. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am one with God Almighty. Uh, I am one with God Almighty. I am one with God Almighty. I am prosperous. I am the character of God on display. I am the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Right now for the next few minutes, I want you to fill in the gap. What are you in your current life and in your current existence? Come on, go into your own I am. What is your I am? What is your own I am? 